0: Hello, it is Thursday, May 20th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the daily Come On Now MMA podcast. I want to start off today speaking a little bit about Dana White and George St. Pierre and everything that's going on there. Um, If you haven't heard, word came down that the UFC, and by UFC we mean Dana White, uh, discovered a potential boxing match between George St. Pierre and Oscar De La Hoya because Oscar De La Hoya was involved, Triller was involved, and Dana White doesn't want to deal with anyone associated with De La Hoya or Triller or Jake Paul. And since they are all wrapped up in that ball, Dana White doesn't want to um, be involved with them. How George St. Pierre falls into this is his UFC contract. Still under contract with the UFC. St. Pierre cannot participate in, I'm going to guess, any sport without the approval of the UFC just because of the way the UFC contracts are worded. If you're tied to the the long and short of it is, if you're tied to the UFC, you don't do anything sports-related without its permission. And by its permission... I mean a cut of the profits, and that's how McGregor got involved in the Mayweather fight, and I don't think that's how Askren got involved with the Jake Paul fight. I think he was just granted the okay to do so. After that fell, after that happened, White became a little less uh, approving of working with Triller and very disapproving of working with Oscar de la Hoya, I am sure, because those two do not get along. So instead of allowing George St. Pierre to box and fe- face someone who he wanted to box and make some money and also make $250,000 for charity, according to a trailer, which I think now has gone up to a million dollars for charity, White went on a rant about not talking to Triller, not answering the phone, not re, not returning their messages, and basically blowing them off. But in doing so, he cost George St. Pierre a decent payday and a, a charity, we don't know what charity, but a charity, tw- between 250000 and a million dollars. And he did so because he's selfish. And that's understandable from Dana White. That's nothing su- surprising at all. But what the media needs to do here is hold White to account, hold Dana White to account. So ask him about this George St. Pierre thing. Is it true? Because St. Pierre said it's true, and a bunch of other people have said it's true, that he he being Dana White prevented St. Pierre from taking that fight. So ask him if it's true. And of course, White is going to go on a rant about Triller again, and Oscar De La Hoya, and jake paul and how all these individuals are scumbags but the real question remains did you did dana white prevent george st pierre from making money and if so why st pierre might have shafted the ufc at some point in dana white's mind uh, by not defending the middleweight title by walking away from the sport when he was the champion Those are all his right to do so because he is the athlete that was out there in the cage fighting for a living. Now, White didn't like it, but the big picture is the UFC always goes on no matter who leaves. So I don't know why he took it so personally with St. Pierre and ranted that St. Pierre owed him and the UFC and the fans something. Maybe he just didn't like St. Pierre. I don't know. But the fact is now that he's preventing St. Pierre from making money in a boxing match, which has nothing to do with the UFC, is uh, pretty shitty. And it's up to the media to hold White to account for this. Will that happen? I don't know because the media is too often distracted by White going off on these tangents and saying he doesn't want to talk about it and then yelling and screaming about it, knowing full well that the media will not get back to the question because right because White was angry. Um, but I don't really give a shit if Dana White's angry or not. He should be forced to answer the question as to why he did not allow George St. Pierre to 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 box. And if the, if the answer is simply what I think it is, his ego and not wanting to deal with Oscar de la Hoya, well, you can easily remove both of those things by just saying, okay, you can fight. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. Do it and good luck all white has to do is offer george st pierre uh an okay and good luck in your endeavors in boxing and if something else comes up we'll discuss it but to just ignore it and blow uh st pierre off bad bad business bad move and it just makes things it just it's a shitty thing for dana white to do um but He's not going to lose any sleep over it, that's for sure. One thing that Leslie Smith reminded of us of was that George St. Pierre was involved with the MMA Athletes Association at one point. And this was when there was a bunch of different groups going about trying to organize the UFC fighters and MMA fighters and to try and get some better deals for, for the fighters overall. Um, the MMAAA at the time, which also had Donald Cerrone in it for a brief amount of time and Tim Kennedy, and was, I think, headed by Bjorn Rebny, formerly of Bellator. The story that was written about the MMAAA was, the, and here's the quote from it, the three goals for the MMAAA. Will be earning a settlement from the UFC for current and past fighters, bringing the revenue disparity from just eight percent to fifty percent for fighters, and to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement with the UFC. Um, Leslie Smith was part of a different group, same kind of goals, I, but they, I think, they were more, uh, they were more aggressively pro-union and trying to get a union or an association for the fighters what saint pierre did and what a lot of these fighters that were involved with this the MMAAA fizzled out rather quickly um cerrone dropped out as soon as dana white called him i think was the situation there saint pierre dropped out shortly after he got himself a deal with the ufc and everything kind of just faded after that smith i think um and i remember her tweeting about this in the past had problems with the way saint pierre did things and that it just seemed a selfish move by him and that everything was basically designed for him to get a new deal and then abandon ship, cash his check, uh, win the middleweight crown, and step away from the UFC again, which is what he did. And here's what Smith um, had to say, and I think this was to MMA fighting and was today or yesterday – One of the things about the Ali Act is that it prevents these long-term contracts, and that's exactly what Dana White is using in order to prevent GSP from having this fight. But you know what would have made an even bigger difference in all that is if GSP had stuck with his union organizing effort that he started in 2017. I believe that they had the very best setup of leaders that everyone would have followed, and that if they had, had had the conviction and stuck with it, that something would have happened. As we know, they abandoned that effort, and GSP got a contract to fight in the UFC for a title after several years off immediately after making that union effort. That would have been made the biggest difference if they hadn't done that. So perhaps if St. Pierre and others wouldn't have jumped ship, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. Instead, St. Pierre would be boxing De La Hoya. And really what needs to happen is someone needs to, to you know stick their neck out and fight the UFC. It could have been George St. Pierre. Leslie Smith tried. Her effort failed the first time, but there were suspicions that um, Trump was involved with the NLRB and some other nefarious things had happened. But had St. Pierre stuck with it, perhaps his group would have succeeded where Smith's group failed or succeeded in something where Smith's group failed. But, as is often the case with MMA fighters, short sightedness and selfishness, even even with someone as well liked as George St. Pierre, got the best of the fighters and they abandoned ship. I don't like it. I don't think it was the right decision. And would it have failed or not, or, or succeeded? I don't know. But, it, but if you never even went through with it, You abandoned it, so we'll never know. Is this going to get St. Pierre on board again? I doubt it. He doesn't sound too broken up about the De La Hoya fight not happening. He just sounds a little disappointed. Um, I don't think it's going to be an earth-shattering thing for him that it never happens, but I just wanted to point out that, you know, Leslie Smith, she has a point. She has a point, and St. Pierre could have done something about this had he stuck with it, but he didn't he took the short term gain and he's kind of reaping that uh, whatever he whatever he decided to take it's kind of his own fault in some ways so i feel bad for st pierre but i also understand what smith's saying here and you know someone's got to fight the ufc that's the uh, i think that's what it all comes down to so I got a couple come on now's for today. The first one is Tony Ferguson. I don't know. I don't think anyone knows right now how bad he he was injured when uh, Dariush wrenched his knee. Uh, and Darius said he heard it pop. I, I didn't hear anything pop. Um, it looked painful. It looked like he might have damaged some ligaments in Ferguson's leg. But we know... Tony Ferguson is always reluctant to tap, and the day after the fight, or a couple days after the fight, he sent, um, he posted some screenshots, some some memes, and one of them was the uh, the always infamous "Jesus didn't tap" um, meme. And for some reason, we're still stuck on this thing where it's some people think it's admirable that fighters don't tap, and perhaps in the days where money was negligible. And fame and pride were more important than uh, treating this sport as a business, maybe, but probably not. That would that would have held water. It no longer holds water, especially with someone like Tony Ferguson, who's I'm gonna guess making six figures a fight. So he didn't tap, and say he say he badly damages like or say Darius badly damaged Ferguson's leg. What what does what does Ferguson get by not tapping? A pat on the back from someone, sure. An attaboy, maybe. Forgotten a couple hours after the fight card by most, definitely. And so if it's damaged, you go through a long rehab. You, that costs you money. You, you can't fight for X amount of months or a year or longer. That costs you money. And why? What was the point? because you didn't want to tap to show something, to show some fake idea of toughness. Listen, there's nothing wrong with tapping. There's nothing wrong with tapping the strikes. There's nothing wrong with losing and moving on to fight another day. Treat this sport like a business, especially if you're one of the top fighters and have been one of the top fighters for a long while. Treat it like a business. The UFC is not going to miss you when you're rehabbing. They're also not going to pay you while you're rehabbing. You're not earning your six-figure checks while you're sitting on the sidelines with your knee in an air cast doing doing physical therapy. The UFC doesn't care that you did that. The UFC doesn't care that you didn't tap. In fact, they probably like that you didn't tap because that's less often they have to pay you or offer you a fight as you rehab from a messed up leg. Your job is to fight. If you are some kind of knucklehead and refuse to tap, you can't do your job. You're not hurting anyone but yourself and your family. Tap, move on, fight another day. It's pretty simple. So, Tony Ferguson, um, come on now, just tap. You're not winning any tough prizes. Everyone knows you're tough. You're fighting in a cage for a living that proves already that you're tough and your past fights prove that you're tough so not tapping that that proves nothing other than that you're you're thinking short-term glory for for what for what gain uh Derek Lewis Derek Lewis also gets to come on now he said that uh, the reason the Francis Ngannou Derek Lewis 2 fight has not take not been made official yet is because and this is the quote, uh, I don't know, he seems like he still want to keep going back and forth with Jones, he's just really trying to ignore me, that's what it seems like. And that's what gets a come on now. The reason that this fight isn't official is because Ngannou wants to fight Jones, true. But the reason Ngannou wants to fight Jones is money. And the UFC, I'm sure, while they are talking to Lewis, as uh, it's a backup, because the UFC, if it's smart, is still trying to make that Jones and fight. Why? Because it's a big money fight. Big money for the fighters, big money for the UFC. So they're going to keep trying to make that fight as long as they got, as long as they can try and keep making that fight. And Lewis and Ganu are going to be the uh, the option B, just is. So if, if Francis, I mean, if, if Derek Lewis was looking at this clear eyed. He'd be looking at this as the reason it's not official is because the UFC doesn't want to make it official and Ngannou doesn't want to make it official because everyone else involved can make more money. And then uh, Lewis went on to say, it's not really frustrating at all. I don't care. I want him to take all the time he can. He want to show his belt around for his country. That's fine. So I'm here whenever he's ready. But if not, that's fine too. If he's want to fight Jones, he can fight Jones. I'll fight Steepy, Stepe rather. Or if they want me to fight Jones, I'll fight Jones. It doesn't matter, but it does matter, and it should matter, because let's look at this. When Lewis and Ngannou fought, Derek Lewis got paid two hundred sixty thousand. I'm going to assume that's a one thirty and one thirty split. Ngannou got one hundred thousand dollars for that fight. Now, the fight before that, Ngannou fought Stepe Miocic for the title the first time they fought. And Ngannou got 500000 for that, for that losing effort. And then in the next fight, he went right down to $100,000. So if Lewis fights Stipe, if Lewis fights Jones, he's not going to make nearly the same amount of money he's going to make if he fights Engano. He's just not. Because that's a title fight. The other two are not title fights. So if Lewis says it doesn't matter, it absolutely should matter because... One's, like I said, one's a title fight, the other ones aren't title fights. So half is probably the best he can hope for. But it's probably going to be a lot less than that, knowing how the UFC handles title fights and non-title fights. So if I'm Lewis, I'm not taking this as easily as he sounds like he's taking it. Um, he wants to get that title fight. He wants to get that title fight because there's a lot of money on the line. Let's not forget that. So, come on now. It does matter if Derek Lewis doesn't fight Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis ends up fighting Stipe A. R. Jones. It matters in a big way because it's a ton less money. Um, two things related to this weekend's fight. Uh, main event, Cody Garbrandt and Rob Font. And Alec, I'm um, sorry, who is it? Jack Hermanson is also fighting. Both these men had COVID-19. Hermanson, we found out he had COVID-19, and his whole team had COVID-19, and his fight got moved back one week. Which, come on now, one week, not good. Not good when the UFC says it's taking health and safety seriously. Even worse when it says it's taking health and safety seriously, and Cody Garbrandt's coming back with uh, possibly um, long hauler symptoms from COVID-19. And here's what he said. Um, I had pneumonia, I had vertigo, uh, blood thinners. Vertigo was horrible and the blood clots as well. I I had blood clots for, it was on blood thinners for four months. So like I said, it's almost easier to have an injury than having COVID. And I always took COVID serious. You know, obviously people are dying from it. But like I said, I take care of myself. I'm healthy. I rest, I eat, I recover well. I'm very well conditioned. And that if I had it, it would be like a flu bug kind of. Man, it was not a flu bug for me. It was intense. But you know, I think everything happens for a reason. Um, I'm concerned about Cody Garbrandt for how long it took him to recover. And you know, Cody Garbrandt's in excellent shape. And I'm going to believe that he takes care of himself. He looks like he takes care of himself. And if COVID-19 affected him that badly and left him that shaken and that sick, what are the long-term effects on his body? We know heart issues are one thing. Um, We know cognitive issues, the brain fog. We know all these things. But what is being done long-term to to take care of him and and to make sure that he is actually healthy for this fight? If if Garbrandt's going through just the standard protocol for a, a fight, I don't think he's being examined nearly as much as he needs to be for this fight. I think he should be going through a full battery of tests, including a, a chest, a heart, heart exam, and brain, um, to make sure he's fully ready and fully at his baseline where he was before this fight. If he's not there, then this, that fight should be scratched. I've asked the UFC in the past and the Nevada State Athletic Commission in the past if this was if they were going to do additional testing. And I was told at that time, no, I have asked again um, and I'll see if I get an answer uh, on this this time. I am expecting the answer to come back the same, which if I get an answer will be they're not doing anything additional right now because it hasn't been recommended. But I think that's a cop out because the commission can also mandate any kind of tests at once. We know it mandates stringent, more stringent tests for older fighters. So why not just mandate more tests for people that had COVID nineteen, and if the COVID nineteen question is not on the pre fight medicals, it should be. And if it if someone lies, well then they should deal with the repercussions of of lying. But the but the reason that it would be on that pre fight medical is to care for the fighter above and beyond what is the norm, because I think they should be looked at because we don't know what the long-term effects are you st- still. We still don't know. So what's the worst that you can happen, can happen? You take a little better care of somebody, that's not terrible, not terrible by a long shot. So I think that it's something that needs to be done. I don't think it's something that will be done. I do think that sooner or later, this might be what bites the UFC in the ass as far as its long-term health and safety protocols. Uh, it's bound to happen sooner or later in something, whether it be a brain injury or something related to COVID-19. But the Cavalier attitude that, well, it can just be the same amount of testing as before, that needs to end from the commissions to the promotions to the fighters. A fighter can say, hey, I want additional testing and make that public. That could change some things as well. So... Unless the UFC is doing something more and the Nevada State Athletic Commission is doing something more, they also get a come on now here. A lot of come on nows for today. And with that, I will uh, call it a day. Might be back tomorrow. Some things are happening as far as Diego Sanchez goes and some other things are moving. But we'll see. So until then, everyone stay safe.